He is risen. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we're grateful this morning for what you did on Calvary. Lord, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, it's good to be reminded again of that. And Lord, not only the death, but also the resurrection and just the promise of 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 a Savior, of a God who's alive. Lord, we're grateful that we serve a living God. Thank you for being all-powerful, for being everywhere at all times. And Lord, we're just especially grateful in times that we see, uh, that we see ourselves today in the world and in our nation. Of so many uncertainties, Lord, it is good to have a rock and a sure foundation a God we can trust in. And Lord, we just desire to bring you honor and glory this morning. May you be praised through our service here. And I pray that our time would be a time of of remembering and that it would draw our hearts and thoughts to um, what Christ did here on earth. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it is Easter weekend, and um, I always think that, or often I should say, our church seems to be pretty empty. A lot of our people like to travel, and so we often go to visit friends and family at different places, and I've made this comment different years that some year everybody's going to come here to visit their family, hopefully. So I don't know, maybe this is the year that that happened, because I see a lot of visitors, and I'm blessed that you chose to worship with us this morning. So a special welcome. It's good to have some of our own back that were at Bible school, and uh, we welcome them also. Just invite you to worship with us as we celebrate the work on the cross and then also the resurrection. This morning is a little bit of a different service. I don't for those of you who weren't at our sunrise service, it was a beautiful morning, uh, not a lot of wind, and so we're grateful for that. And I enjoyed uh, being there and singing and just the different things that, that happened there. So if you weren't there, you missed out. I would encourage you to, uh, next time if it's available, to uh, be there. So this morning I'm going to focus specifically on um, Christ and the resurrection. Easter. What is Easter? What does it mean? Uh, What should it mean to us? What is the, uh, because of what happened and and Christ coming out of the grave, how does that affect you and I? Should it affect you and I in our lives and how we live them? This morning I've chosen to take each letter of the word Easter and to put some definition into it for you. So hopefully from now on as you think of Easter and see that word, you'll, your thoughts will be drawn to some of these things that Easter means. The first one, Easter gives us eternal life. You know, there's something with, within each one of us that wants to live. We have this desire to live. If When we're sick, we have desire to get better. Uh, even on our deathbed, often uh, people struggle to to give up that life because God gave us a desire to live. And I think there's something inside of us that 
that thinks that maybe we'll live forever here on earth. I don't know what it is, but the way we act sometimes and the, the homes we build and, and the way we go about life, we really set up like we're going to be here a long time when it's actually a very short time. So there's something inside of us that, that desires to live. And actually we can, but it's maybe not quite how we envision it here on earth. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal life is available. But we have to accept the gift that's given to us and believe. And then we can experience that eternal life. The second one is atonement. Atonement. What is atonement? Atonement means paying for a wrong that was committed. You know, when, when a wrong is, is committed, when somebody does something to me, there's something inside of me that wants that person to pay. Even though we shouldn't have that thought, right? It does cross our mind. Hopefully we, we check ourselves. But there's something inside of us that says when, when a wrong is committed, somebody has to pay. And friends, each one of us have committed wrongs to people, to others here or to maybe other acquaintances that we have, and somebody needs to pay for those wrongs. We all have a sin nature that we live with, and we are sinful beings, and as we commit those sins, somebody needs to pay. And as, as I look at myself and, and seeing myself as that sinner, I need to pay for that sin but yet I can't really pay it in full. In Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 11, it says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. You know, the amazing part about this, this whole idea of, of Christ paying for my sin is the fact that he did it for me before I made a commitment to serve him. And so it's as if he was willing to give of himself to me, to give of himself to forgive my sins, to make, to make that payment, to atone for my sins before there was any commitment on my side. As an employer or as a parent, we often uh, will offer something to our children, but I like to see a movement from them first or a commitment to fulfill something before I give the reward. And so I'll say, here's the reward, but before you can have that, I want to see you doing this, whatever it is, and, and we lay out specific things that need to happen. But see, that's not what Christ did. Christ gave the gift, made it available for me to, to get a hold of. But all I need to do is commit. It's amazing. He took the chance. He took, he, 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 he trusted. He, 
he, he, he put himself out. He, he gave of himself. He committed himself. He committed his life. He gave his life. Before I made the commitment to say, yes, I want that gift. He made an atonement for my sin. Next one is that offers us salvation or a deliverance from the power of sin. I'm going to read a verse out of Psalm. Psalm 18, verse 2. And as I read this verse, I just listen to the, the tone that the writer has here. It's, it's like he's so full of trying to describe who God is that he, it, it, he just, it's kind of just popping out there as he, as he wrote this verse. Psalm 18 verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. It's, it's like he's so full of these descriptive terms for God that they just, they're just kind of popping out there. And I look at that last part, the horn of my salvation, and maybe we think, what, how does, what is that trying to say? As we look at an animal that has a horn, that horn is the, the, the power or the strength of that animal. It's the protection. It's what gives that animal a defense. And he's saying... That God is the horn of my salvation. He's the power. He's the strength of my salvation. It's, it's the only way I can have salvation is through God. Being that horn of salvation. Allowing forgiveness and a cleansing from the sin that I have in my life. A deliverance from the power of sin. And as we do that and as we're delivered, there comes a transformation. A changing Something new. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, transformation is not only changing my actions. It's not only changing uh, what I do and what I say, but true transformation begins to change who I am. It begins begins to change the being that I am. It begins to actually change my thought process. Transformation is not an act, but it's a state of being. I become somebody different. You see, it's, it's, not, it's not me doing the things that I know God wants me to do. It's not that. When transformation takes place, it's now... Me, what I want to do is what God wants me to do. And so it's a lining of wills, and those two wills come together. And, and the longer I live in that, that transformed state, I start to realize that, you know what, my desires are changing. What I want to do and, and the way I act and the words that come out of my mouth, it's natural. It's, it's just who I am. And people around us realize that. And they see the difference when there's a transformation that happens inside of my heart, inside of my life. And I live out of that. And that transformation leads to an enlightening. There's an enlightening. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness 
hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You know, God created that light in Genesis. He, he called that light out of darkness and he created it to give us light. He's the one who created light and man has now uh, made ways to, to capture that light or to make it uh, come in, in different bulbs and in, and in different various forms, but yet God is the one who created the actual light. God is the one that created it. And it's because of him that he gave us light. His life, his, he is that light that is inside of us. And as he lives inside of us, there's a light that can shine out and we can, we can enlighten those around us. We can, we can show them the, the light that we've experienced, the light that, we, that has changed us, that has brought transformation. And there's a light inside of us that, that enlightens others and they begin to see there's something different. And they wonder what that is. And we can point back and say, well, it's the God that created the light back in Genesis that has given a light to me, and that's what's coming out of me. And you can have that too. And so it's an, in, it's an enlightening something shining out of us that others see and that draws them to God. Redemption. Redemption. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 7 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christ who, has, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, in whom we have redemption through, the, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You know, God who's the father of Jesus, gave us redemption through his son, through his son coming to this earth and living here and serving those around him, showing the love of the father to those around him, and then so undeserving, suffered on the cross to die for my sins and for your sins went to the grave for my sins and for your sins. But yet, he rose, and it's because of him raising from the dead that we now have promise of life. It's now because of him raising from the dead that we can experience newness of life. Scripture says, even if we have that, that power that, that raised Christ from the dead, we can experience that same power in our lives. We can have that power in our hearts, in our lives. And it's out of that that we can serve others. It's out of that that we can affect others. Because I'm a redeemed person. I'm a changed person because of what the blood of Christ has done for me. Friends, that's exciting. It's exciting to, to know that there can be something different. That... There can be transformation, that there can be a light, that there can be salvation, that atonement can be made for my sins, that I can experience eternal life because of what Christ has done. Giving of himself 
and serving those around me and serving me, giving that gift to me. I'm so encouraged by that this morning. Okay, I'm going to have a little bit of a, uh, a present or just a little bit of a, a uh, I guess, an object lesson for the children. So maybe all the children, um, let's start with 10 and under. I'm not sure how many we have here. Maybe if we can have this front row of ladies, if you would want to sit over on the front bench, and maybe the second row, why don't you just file over to the next bench behind them. So all the children, 10 and under, if you could come up front here and sit on these front benches. Okay, make sure you fill up the front bench here so you can see, okay? Can you sit up here? Maybe let's go on the third bench, okay? Can some of you sit back here on the third bench? Let's we sit back here. You want to sit back here? Can you go back on the back bench? Okay, does everybody have a seat? Can you scoot down a little bit? We'll make room here for one more. We'll scoot over, scoot this way a bit. There, you can sit there. Okay, how many of you know what this, e what this weekend is called? What do we call this? Easter. So what is Easter? What happened first before Easter Sunday? Jesus got crucified. What does that mean? What did they do to Jesus? They killed him. And how did they do that? Crucified him. What is that? What is crucified him? Put him on a cross, right? They took nails and they nailed him to a cross through his hand, right? Yeah. And what did they do him after he? What did they do with him after he died? They put him in a tomb, right? I had a picture up here this morning of that hole. It was probably something like that, and they had that big stone to the side, and they rolled that in front of the tomb, right? But then what happened on Easter? morning. Yep, there were angels in the tomb, right? Do you think they helped Jesus get out of there? Do you think they rolled the stone away? I'll bet they did. I'll bet you they moved the stone away, right? Do you think he needed that to get out? Do you think he needed the stone rolled away? I'll bet he didn't, right? He could have pushed it away or he could have came out of there. Well, there's something that happened when he was in there. And what do we say, what happened when he, what do we say happened when he was in the grave? He what? He what from the dead? He rose, right? And so he got up. So this morning I have a little object lesson here for you. This is a, just a regular tea bag, okay? And so we're going to kind of compare this to Jesus' life as he lived here on earth, okay? So first of all, I'm going to take this apart. There's a staple in here, and this, this tea bag represents Jesus' body, okay? And so this is who he was, and it smells pretty good. Teas, how many of you like tea? You like tea? Yeah. And so the, the tea in here is what makes the flavor in your tea, 
And so Jesus' life, if this was his body, what was inside of him is what he served people with, right? So there was, there was good things inside of him that came out and people enjoyed being with him. That's why crowds came around him. But what did they do? You told me once, but this staple is a little bit like when they nailed him to the cross, right? And so this staple poked through his body, right? It, they, they, as they nailed him to the cross, they, they used nails and it went in his body. Okay, now I'm going to open this up. Maybe we'll cut the top off. So what did the, why did they put him on the cross? Why did they kill him? They didn't like him, right? And so they were trying to get rid of him. And so when they, when they put him on the cross, they thought they got rid of him. And so they, we're going to dump that T out there. And so now, let's say this was his body, okay? So this represents his body. And they, they took his body and they put it in a tomb, right? And they thought, finally, we're rid of this guy. We don't have to have him around here preaching anymore. And so they put him in a grave, okay? And so we're going to put this here. If we can get it to stand there. Okay, so what happened when he was in the grave? Do you remember? He rose, okay? But first of all, they thought they were going to get rid of him. So we're going to get rid of this tea bag here, okay? And so we're going to get rid of it. And maybe that's what they were thinking was that they were going to get rid of him. And so they put him in the, in the grave there and they thought, finally, he's there and he's just going to burn up. And then what happened? Then he rose up, right? Do you like that? I've got a couple more here. We might have to do it another time in case you missed it the first time. Yeah, so he rose up from the grave, right? And what do you think the people said around him? What do you think the disciples thought? Do you think that, made, that got them excited when Jesus rose from the grave and he wasn't there anymore, right? They went to check out the grave and they were trying to figure out, well, what, what happened with Jesus? Maybe his time here on earth is all over, right? But nope. There it went. <laughs> that one went higher, right? Just about an ascension there. Okay, so as you think about Jesus and him being crucified and dying and being put in the grave, the important thing I want you to remember is that, first of all, why did he do it? Why did, he, why did God have him be crucified? Because they didn't like it, but why did God have him be crucified? What was his reason for coming here and being crucified? For us, right? So he died on the cross for our sins. Do you ever feel yucky when you do something wrong? You feel, that's called guilt. Yeah, God took the guilt that we 
should have to experience for our sins. We should have to live with that. But God took that on himself when he died. And he felt that yucky feeling that we feel. And he felt all of our sins when he died on the cross. And it's because of him dying that now we can have forgiveness for our sins. We can ask to be forgiven and God forgives us because of Jesus dying on the cross. And then they put him in the grave, right? But then what happened? He rose up, right? He didn't stay in the grave and he's living and he's alive and he's well. And you know what? He wants to live in each of your hearts. He wants to be a part of who you are. He wants to change you. He wants to live in you. Okay? You can go back to your parents. Thank you. Easter stands for eternal life, atonement, salvation, transformation, being enlightened, and redemption. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we're thankful for uh, what you did on Calvary. Lord, thank you for the change that we can have in our lives and hearts. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would, would accept you, that we would accept that gift that you've offered, and that we would live out of that. Lord, I pray that it would make a difference in our church here, that you would make a difference in our community, in our land, and in this world, that as people see you living through us, that they would be drawn to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.